today on the Beginner Photography Podcast. It's this weird skill, ability, vision, execution versus like how does the tool help you kind of uh, enhance all of that rather than the tool. The tool is never going to enhance your vision or uh, whatever kind of story you're trying to tell. It's always going to be the other way around. The tool is going to kind of be uh, an accessory to that. Uh, at least that's what it's been for me. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that they need to get a full-frame camera because it's going to make them a better photographer. That's not the case. Today on the Beginner Photography Podcast, we are learning all about product photography. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast, a weekly podcast for those who believe that moments matter most and that a beautiful photo is more than just a sum of its settings. A show for those who want to do more with the gear they have to take better photos today. And now your host, Raymond Hatfield. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to a new year, a new decade, a new decade full of hopefully incredible photos and stories that you can tell with your camera. Uh, I know that uh, the beginning of the year always brings a lot of new listeners. You know, lots of people get a camera right after the holidays and uh, they're looking to figure out how to use it. So if you're new here, welcome. I hope that you enjoy the show. A new episode comes out every week and in between episodes, you can chat with other shooters in the safest place on the internet for new photographers to share photos and ask questions. That's the beginner photography podcast facebook group we would love to have you and see your slice of the world and uh you know keep up with all of your progress in the future as well but before we get into today's interview i want to give a quick shout out to amanda vickers for leaving the show a five star review in itunes amanda says I honestly was very skeptical about how I could learn photography from a podcast since it's such a visual thing, but I walk away with new tips after each episode. Simple ideas like join a 365 and shoot every day to specific camera setting ideas and even lighting tips. So Amanda, thank you so much for your review. I am so glad that you are uh, getting tips from the diverse set of photographers who we obviously have here on the podcast and I'm glad that you are taking action on those tips, like joining a 365. So for those who are actually unfamiliar, a 365 is a, uh, it's a photo a day project. So here in 2020, since it's a leap year, it's actually a 366. But regardless, uh, the point is, is that you simply take a photo with intention every single day. So when you carry around your camera with you, you become more comfortable with the camera. You foster an eye for composition and you can see better lighting because uh, you know, you're using those skills every day. And if you do anything every day, you're going to get really good at it. So that is why Kimberly Irish has actually taken the lead and started a 365 challenge uh, Facebook group that I've been participating in already. And it's, it's so great because already just in these uh, last two weeks, it's been incredible just to see how much I look at things differently. I feel like I'm faster with my camera. I have uh, great photos of my kids now that I would have just passed up previously. So uh, if you want to join the 365 challenge and see what it's all about, I have a link to join the Facebook group in the show notes for this episode. All you got to do is swipe up and you will find the link or just search Facebook for Beginner Photography Podcast Daily Photo Challenge. It's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. Just like today's interview, fun stuff with Martin Moore, who is a pro 
product photographer and content developer for an international company. So there's going to be a lot of great uh, tips in here. What you need to be valuable in today's workforce as a photographer, the pros and cons of being a staff photographer versus a freelance photographer, how to get the attention of a company that you want to work for, and why building a personal brand is so important even when working as an employee. So there is a lot of great stuff for premium members today. So let's go ahead and get on into this interview right now. Today's guest is Martin Moore, a commercial product photographer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who after 20 years uh, as a mechanic left his job to become a full-time photographer. Today, we're going to chat about leaving your job and following your passion. Martin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, I really, really appreciate it. It's always fun doing these things and chopping it up, talking about photography and just my journey and the hustle and the grind. Yeah. <laughs> Photography is definitely a fun thing to talk about. It's, it is. It's interesting. I, when, I, when we first started the podcast, I never thought that it would become um, successful by any stretch of the imagination because photography is such a visual uh, form. Yeah. Um, and yet the more that I do this, the more that I find out that, you know, photography really isn't about a photograph. It's about a feeling. It's about, uh, you know, those emotions and those things you can feel without seeing something. But there's something about that visual element that really, Absolutely. Uh, I don't know, kicks it up a notch, I suppose. But before before we get into too much photography stuff, as I mentioned there, you kind of had an unconventional start in photography. So can you share with me and the listeners how you got started in all of this? Yeah, that's a that's an understatement. <laughs> I uh, so I started working on cars in 1997 uh, when I was in high school, and then like I managed a Jiffy Lube, which is like an oil change place, uh, and then I became a master Honda technician in I think 99, uh, and that's what I did for like a living for a career all the way up until 2017. Uh, I dropped out of college after like my first semester. I was going for like internet media arts. I don't even know what that was, <laughs> but uh, all I've ever known was cars. Uh, and then in 2017, I got my job uh, here at Cost Headphones. You probably can't tell that. Uh, shooting all of our commercials, our photography, uh, doing all of our emails and website stuff and blog and all, all of our content. Um, but the, uh, the kind of the segue in between all of that uh, was like a 10-year period of just starting shooting pictures the same way everyone else does, just going out, taking pictures of, oh, architecture and bridges with your friends and getting into portrait photography. Then I started getting into shooting weddings. Uh, then that kind of led to commercial photography, doing stuff for hotels and product photography. Uh, and then around 2000, I think it was 2015, I didn't have a single photo shoot for like the whole year. And I was super bummed. And I was like, well, I'm going to start my YouTube channel and start vlogging. Uh, and then that was really the catalyst for uh, Martin Moore as a brand and my photography and my filmmaking stuff um, that kind of like really pushed me to where I am today. And I started getting noticed and started getting a lot of opportunities. So that's kind of the two minute like condensed elevator pitch or whatever, whatever or story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, there was a, there was a lot that kind of went into um, getting from just taking pictures of, of, of bridges in like random models to, you know, shooting box, shooting commercial photography and products for box art and billboards and stuff like that. Uh, so we can dive, dive deeper into that if you want. Yeah, let's, 
let us do that because I, I'm, I'm always fascinated behind – I think that you did a great job. Most people come on and they say, oh, I picked up a camera. You know, I got good at it. Yeah. Ten years later, I'm a professional. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Back, Hold on. Back it up a little Something bit really happened. really quick. I, I like to know some of the nuances of, of how you got yes. it. Because photography is – I mean it always – even in its heyday back in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s where every single person you knew was like a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer, even back then, doing it for a living was still a, a really – it was a tough gig and it wasn't one that was very like lucrative and paid very well. Um, and it's even harder today with the whole Instagram culture. And I mean it, it really is true. You can, you can take one of these and I, I can shoot bang. I mean I shoot all of our commercials for cost on this – on my iPhone. And so the competition is vastly increased nowadays. And so it's even harder. So the fact that I'm able to do this for a living and make a really good living and do what I love is you just don't, you don't kind of see that very often. And then to, to kind of get this career, the the way that I got it uh, is even more and makes people like, how the, how the heck did you do this? Uh, and so, <laughs> Yeah, so then tell me about because obviously there was that time you're working at uh, at Honda for, yes. for for the majority of your career, and then at some point you got yourself a camera. Yeah, right. So I got this what little. What was it about? What was it about the 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 camera or the photography that got you sure, interested sure. in the first place? So I actually took photography in high school, and I maybe my freshman year. I might be making that up. Freshman sophomore year, uh, and this was back in the day, okay, boomer, when like cameras were still filmed. So I learned how to shoot photography on film cameras, develop my own film. Uh, and then I didn't really do anything with it. I, I was shooting on, I think my dad had a bunch of old Minolta, Minolta cameras uh, and I didn't really do anything with it. I was into music at the time and like I was really into just bands and that's kind of what I wanted to do. That was my creative output. Uh, and I didn't do anything with photography till about 2008. Uh, I met my wife and we went and took our first trip together to Las Vegas and I got this little crappy Kodak point and shoot camera. It was like 4.5 megapixel. Uh, and as soon as we were up in the air, I started taking pictures and videos. Uh, and when we got back from our trip, like, I don't know, I really enjoyed the photos of the mountains I took and just kind of the random people in the street. Uh, and I made a video too, like a little vacation video with all the f photos and videos I took. And that was really the catalyst for me getting interested in photography. Uh, a year later, I shot my first wedding in Mexico. And then I got another wedding and another wedding and I met people on Instagram and started like hanging out and going on like photo meetups and shoots and stuff like that. Uh, and kind of just like how every photographer gets their start, it just kind of snowballed and I just made the time for it. I wanted to make the time for it. And, and it really started completing me in the more and more I got interested and got good at photography, the less and less I really cared about my music. Uh, and that really kind of just overtook my whole need to be like a creative uh, until I started doing commercial photography and product photography. I've done some stuff for Asics, um, Honda, this company, Sweet Trio, that makes like really delicious chocolates. Um, a lot of like towers here in Milwaukee that like really big towers, um, like architectural photography. Um, but it happened really quickly as much as it happened really slowly, if that makes any kind of sense. But the, the, yes. the only reason why I was ever able to kind of build something for myself is because like I'm not the best photographer in the world. I'm not, I don't make the best commercials in the world. I don't make the best YouTube videos in the world. But the one thing that I was able to do is kind of brand myself uh, and get people to not want to hire any photographer. They want, I wanted to get them to hire Martin Moore first and foremost. And, and so 
my YouTube channel is kind of a blessing in disguise. I started that um, because I didn't have any other, I didn't have any photography jobs that year. And it was kind of my creative output. And, and it's funny how that's kind of where everything that I've built now kind of stems from uh, in Martin Moore and air quotes as a brand is really what set me apart from every other photographer trying to do the exact same thing. So personal branding was really the, the thing that got me to where I am today. If that makes any sense at all. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. It, no, no, it does. It does. And I'm really excited to to kind of dive yes. deeper into that because I don't think that that's something that we've really explored much on the podcast. But you said something interesting there uh, that I want to explore a bit more, which was that you went to Vegas. You had yourself that, uh, you know, Canon point and shoot camera. Yes. You later Kodak. shot your first wedding in Mexico. <laughs> yep, yep, right. right. Was it, first of all, was it still with that Kodak point and shoot camera? And second of all, how? No, okay. Let's start with that first before I move on to that next question. Yeah, it, it, no, it was with a uh, it was with a better Kodak. It wasn't. It was like one of those advanced. It wasn't like a digital SLR, but it wasn't a point and shoot. It was one of those weird like hybrids uh-huh. where like it had you could adjust aperture and exposure and all that stuff and ISO, but it still had like the attached lens. It was like a smart dumb camera. Gotcha. Yes. You yes. know what I'm talking about? I don't even know if they make them anymore. No, no, uh, they but do. It was with they that. Do. I know. Um, I mean, I don't know if Kodak does, but my uh, my uh, Canon, I think it was the G G7. I mean, that's essentially like the the same type of thing where it's yes. it's that yes. attached yes. lens, but there's there's more of those exactly uh, exposure controls that you have there. So uh, was that wedding for like family and friends? Is that how you? So that was for a, that was for a friend. Gotcha. Um, okay. So he was, I was in the wedding, uh, oh, but so I was, was I was still, event. yeah. So I was still snapping pictures and stuff. Uh, and when I got back, he posted them online, tagged me in like Facebook. And this was back in 2009, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and I think it was a matter of weeks. There was someone else that was like, Hey, I'm, my friend's getting married. Like, do you, would you, do you do weddings? I was like, yeah. So I did it for like, I, know, I was like $600. And it was like the most stressful thing of like my entire <laughs> life. Cause it's one thing to like shoot pictures. Like, for your friends and people that you know. And it's another one to like take on a job and take someone else's money that you don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and pray that you don't mess it up. And so I I remember how stressful that like first paid wedding for someone that I didn't know was. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if this is something that I want to (laughs) do, but the pictures were amazing. They loved them. They were so happy. Uh, and it was like instantly I got another job and I didn't even have time to think about, how bad the photos actually were. Cause looking back they're they're not good photos. Uh, I mean, this was back when like HDR was in its prime. So like, sure, sure. Oh yeah. So like the trees and the, the dresses and the hair were all HDR. And it was, uh, they just, they weren't good. Um, 
But I just kept learning. I kept doing. Uh, I kept solely branding myself and people for whatever reason just kept hiring me. <laughs> so let, let's talk more about the, uh, the, the, the learning aspect. Uh, yes. Cause as far as we've heard from you so far, you had the camera, you took photos that you liked and then you had a wedding. That first wedding that you had, did you have already that understanding of, uh, you know, how to get an exposure and how to, you know, get something or how to change something to achieve what it was that you wanted? Or was it, was it mainly on auto and then you grew after that? YouTube, YouTube, YouTube videos, YouTube, YouTube <laughs> yep. videos. Yes. Yes. What does ISO do? <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is, what happens if I overexpose something? Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just, you know, why, why is this person's fate forehead washed out? Uh, and it was basically just Google and YouTube. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't read any books. Uh, I didn't even really experiment with my camera. I would just take a picture. If there was something that I felt was off, I would just go on YouTube figure out what it was and then learn how to adjust it and learn, learn the differences and the pros and cons of white balance and exposure and ISO and shutter speed. Uh, and just kind of taught myself how those things all work together uh, to get whatever the desired image I wanted was. I didn't even know what like bokeh was. I didn't know that like when you like have a wide open aperture, like that, like your, you know, your focus, plane is get smaller and smaller and smaller and so like i couldn't figure out why i would take a picture of someone's like to the side and their ear wasn't focused and their eye wasn't so it was just all it was just all youtube trying to figure <laughs> figure that stuff out um you know so then how long would you say it took from the time where you decided that you were going to get serious about photography uh to the till till the first time that you really felt confident with your camera how long do you think never, that progression took never never okay well okay, but there's some there's some sort of competency right now right. that yeah. you feel comfortable with so, um, so you know you always you always think at least for me maybe i'm projecting but with everything that i've done whether it was a youtube video or it was a podcast that i've done or a radio show or a picture i've taken you always hit that point where you're like this is the best photo I've ever taken. That was the best podcast I ever did. And then a, a year later, you reflect and you look at those pictures or that video you made or that podcast you were on, and you're like, boy, that was trash. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've kind of just learned that I'm just I, – I've never reached the apotheosis of uh, my understanding for all this stuff. Even, it, even when I started for costs, uh, I remember I first started, and I couldn't figure out why – like I couldn't get like the headphone logo like perfectly in focus and, and like just even trying to find like the perfect aperture where I'd have a nice blurry background, but the eye was in focus and then the logo on the headphone also had to be in focus. It's not something you think about when you do portrait photography. All you really care about is that the eyes and the eyelashes are in focus, the nose, the mouth, and everything can kind of fade out. When you start putting products in there, you have to make sure the sneakers are also in focus as long as, you know, and so even now navigating that kind of stuff and figuring out like what are the best settings, I'm still fumbling, fumbling through things. It's all, it's just always a learning process. So to answer the question, you know, when did I start feeling confident? Uh, never really, to be honest. Like I just, I just always feel like I'm learning and I always look back a year from now and I'm just like, yeah, my stuff's way better now. And so yeah. it's just, yeah. Yeah. Just, just still, still moving up all the time. Yeah. It's just, time. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a, Going up steps, I've, I just never felt like I've been on an escalator. If that makes any kind of sense, no, it, it does. It does, and I think I think it's interesting um, because looking back, it's easy to feel like there's some sort of natural progression sometimes. But looking yeah. forward, there never is. You, like right, there's right. never so, like sometimes it may seem easy, right? Yeah. Like oh, I just got to learn this thing, this thing, and that thing, and then I'm good. 
Yeah. But going forward, like, yeah. Then you get to that one shoot and you're like, well, I, I don't know what to do for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't, there's so many shoots I'm on where I'm just like, I don't know. I, they're just all so different, which is what I love about the challenge of doing photography or even shooting videos for that matter. Um, is just the challenge that is every situation is always so different. So it's like everything you learn on one shoot, half the time it's not even applicable to the next shoot. And so uh, I think that's what I really enjoy about photography. Yeah. Especially commercial photography, because at least with weddings or portraits, there's room for slightly noisy photos, you know, uh, or I don't know, a myriad of, of imperfections in an image with commercial photography. Everything that I shoot with this camera for a box or a billboard, I mean, it's got to be noise-free, tack-sharp. Uh, I mean, we use Pantones for everything. So all the, there, there's no – you don't use filters when you do commercial photography. What color the headphone is in real life that we're selling you has got to be the exact same color in the picture or that's false advertising. And so I, I really enjoy those kind of nuances when it comes to uh, for ter- commercial photography. And so that's always just a hard thing to kind of – just learn and stay up on top of. So I never feel like I'm. <laughs> when you had first started, you know, obviously filters are, are, are I don't want to say universal, but I think people understand, you know, how to use filters. It's very common. Yeah, don't use them, people. kids. Yeah. Don't use them, kids. <laughs> it's very common for people to put Presets. filters on their photos, even even like, you know, wedding photos that I may deliver because people are just yeah. kind of so ingrained into, well, if I'm going to upload a photo, put a filter on it. So was that something that you were doing early on and was that a hard never. lesson i've no? i'm not even joking i've never used a preset or a filter ever so in, in, t- t- what was that? tell me tell me then about how uh i'm really interested in that i'm really interested yeah. in that mainly because a lot of people um uh, take photos if they don't like it they try to fix it in editing yeah if, if you're not if you're not you know using filters or a one-click solution you know, yeah. was it trying to get it right in camera? Was that always your intention? Um, no, right now, I try to get it right in camera. Um, but I always like to just take every single image as its own piece of art in its own story and kind of give it its own individual attention rather than just some photo and a and some giant batch edit. I don't even batch edit. Like photos, even that are from the exact same. Like I just did a shoot uh, with Grace Weber. She's like the girl who uh, she wrote like the first track on Chance the Rapper's uh, Grammy album. Mm-hmm. I just did a shoot with her last week. Literally, I didn't change a single setting. I could have. I literally could have just linked all the files and batch edited all of them. And I still just one by one individually edited the eyes and brought out definition in her outfit and did things to the background. And I just, I just prefer to focus on an individual image rather than just uh, blanketly kind of edit everything. And maybe that's why I've gotten where I am today. Maybe not. Uh, but that's just always been my approach, I guess. If that makes any sense. So- there are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices. 
and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Yeah, so so again, I'm kind of I'm 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 really interested in that. I'm really interested in that. The editing side of things tends to at least for me, take up a good portion of my time. So I'm always looking for ways to uh, speed up that workflow. The, edit, the editing is what is going to separate your image from everyone else's image. It's no different than um, when you're cutting film. The If I just hit record on my phone and take a video of you going to the grocery store, you give that one single video clip to 10 different film editors and how they cut that video up and splice it together for a final montage, those edits are what separates every single one of their final products. And it's the same thing with a photo. It's going to look the same no matter what person like hits the button on it, but how you, how you make the colors pop, what you do with the eyes, how you smoothen the skin, what you do with the background, how you crop it, all of that stuff, that's what makes the image uniquely yours and that's the one thing that no one else can copy a a preset or a filter all that is is just the same settings you know that someone else put on their photo and so what's uniquely about it that's yours you know so i I guess that's how i've always kind of looked at it yeah 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 yeah. it's it's my signature right 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 so if 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 the if the edit is the signature obviously getting to some level within camera is obviously very important. So hundred percent when you were starting out, when you were getting started, I know that, you know, you said that you did a lot of searching on YouTube for whenever you had any sort of problem, but was there anything uh, on the technical side of photography that maybe took longer to fully understand or to grasp or to, uh, uh, noise, to truly master noise, 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 uh-huh. noise has been the biggest thorn in my ass <laughs> forever since day day one it, combating noisy photos has been harder than like chasing light which are like for me that was always such a really hard thing to do like just chasing the perfect light because uh, i don't use like when i do our shoots for cost i don't use bounce boards or reflectors or any of that stuff i just i just chase the light and i make sh- i use the sun or reflections off of buildings or i don't know a neon sign and that's what i use to light my subjects or light the chrome on a pair of headphones uh and that's a really difficult thing to kind of comprehend and be able to navigate in real time uh but even as hard and as difficult as like that is <laughs> combating noise is just has just been i just still feel like i, I still mess around with it like i still get frustrated by it still after all these years so where uh, why do you think you had such a problem in the beginning and why do you think still today like what is it today that is uh uh your biggest struggle with back, struggle with it back in the day it was my camera i mean i think my first digital slr was a nikon d3000 which for me was like a game changer uh, but i mean those things you could bump the iso up to in the best situations 800 and you'd already start to see noise. I, I shoot on a Nikon D750, uh, and even at, like, ISO 2000, I'm starting to see, like, noise that, like, I'm not okay with. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
ISO 2000 really don't give you a whole lot of wiggle room when you're even in a remotely lit situation. You know, like even in a room like this, which looks like it's well lit, if you want to bump down to f2.8, f2.4, something like that, like you're going to have to really start jacking up the jacking up the ISO. And I don't know, I just it drives me crazy. <laughs> I hate noise. I hate noise. That's interesting. So to this day, you are. Uh, 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 this is still something that uh, that you worry about when it comes to cameras. Is it? Uh, how much does that affect? You know, getting new cameras for you. Would you say that's the most important aspect? That's the most important thing for me. Um, that's why I really have finally started getting interested in mirrorless cameras because if I can bump the shutter speed down just a little bit more, like in really crazy situations. Uh, to like I don't know a fiftieth of a second or fortieth of a second, like handheld, uh, and just get that you know, and be able to lower my ISO just a tiny, just a stop or two. Like for me, that would be that would be huge, um, especially if I'm shooting like at nighttime downtown uh, or anywhere where it's really dimly lit. Because I hate I hate flashes. I hate I don't like reflectors because I feel like you can tell when someone uses a reflector <laughs> because it's so perfectly lit. <laughs> and so like, I just really like to do everything in camera. And so, yeah, a mirrorless camera would really, I think kind of help with that, but I'm not the biggest fan of mirrorless. <laughs> so then what is holding you back for mirrorless? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, battery. <laughs> uh, I, I rip through battery. So I don't like, That's I can fair. with this thing. I, I never have to. Uh, and then just the lack of, buttons i mean I, I i adjust kelvin i adjust there's so much stuff that i need to be able to adjust yes. on yes. the fly uh and mirrorless cameras are compact and they just don't have as many dedicated buttons and it might sound stupid but no 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 no, no. i'm sorry i'm sorry for laughing at that i just i wasn't expecting that answer it was great it was yeah, i need those and in a, in a touch screen is not good enough for me so <laughs> uh, yeah, pr- probably those two things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think uh, now, uh, obviously, a lot of new photographers getting into photography, maybe they still have, uh, you know, I mean, they might still have that that D3000, you know, just getting started. Yeah. Just getting- uh, would you say that they're still able to take like if they if they want to get into commercial photography, are they able to do so and get started with that D3000? Or do you think that they have to go full frame or don't even bother. You no, know, that's bother. it's a tough question because had you asked me that five, six years ago, I would have said, "Yeah, that's that camera made me a lot of money, totally." Um, but cameras like the the Nikon D seven fifty or the Canon, uh, what's that one? The is the eighty D. That's is that full frame? No, that's uh, that'd be a crop sensor. So full frame would be the five D series. Yes, five D, five D. So many of those ca- full frame cameras are so accessible now to people that the, the competition is so much higher. You're seeing kids in high school with you know Sony mirrorlesses and, and full frame cameras, and so it, the stakes are so much higher now. And there's so many more just consumers using equipment that is producing really, really clean images mm-hmm. that I think it would be really difficult now um, to try and do like a commercial shoot and try and compete image quality wise. Uh, I know that sounds stupid, but um, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, go that? ahead, go ahead, finish your sentence. I mean, it's the same thing w- with this. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I shoot all of our commercials on my iPhone and if I didn't tell you, you'd have no clue. Mm-hmm. And so, it makes anybody who's shooting with something like this, it, it raises the stakes f- for them. And so 
uh, it's it, to me equipment matters and it doesn't matter at the same time if that makes any kind of sense yes yeah it does yes. in fact uh, <laughs> that's exactly what i was going to bring up is i was going to play devil's advocate here and talk about that uh, article that you had wrote about uh that was advocating for for more use of uh for iphone photos obviously the yeah. iphone has a much smaller sensor than uh, than full frame time. so do you just see the two cameras as two totally separate tools for with two totally separate yeah they're, they're, that's all they are is they're they're tools and no one is better than the other um, and it really comes down to your the individual's vision of whatever story that they're trying to tell like I could shoot I could probably shoot a wedding on this thing cam pictures mm-hmm. better than a lot of people probably could with their digital SLR um, but if you're going to try and blow up the images on an iPhone they're just not you know so it's it's this weird skill, ability, vision, execution versus like how does the tool help you kind of uh, enhance all of that rather than the tool. The tool is never going to enhance your vision or uh, whatever kind of story you're trying to tell. It's always going to be the other way around. The tool is going to kind of be uh, an accessory to that. Uh, at least that's what it's been for me. It's a fine line. I think a lot of yeah, I think a lot of people think that they need to get a full-frame camera because it's going to make them a better photographer. That's not the case. Uh, if you can't take awesome photos with this, getting a better camera is not going to do anything for mm-hmm. you. But if you already take awesome photos and videos with this, then yes, a better piece of equipment, a better tool is going to just make whatever you're doing even much better. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to the show in just a moment. You know, as a photographer, you want to be able to quickly come up with creative ideas that stand out. So to help you, I put together a list of 46 creative ideas to get you out of a rut that you can download by heading over to creativeimageideas.com. And honestly, even if you're not in a rut, shooting any of these creative ideas in this free ebook will help you to think more out of the box and create something unique and give you that critical real world photography experience. So again, head over to creativeimageideas.com to download your free 46 creative photo ideas now. With that, let's get back to today's interview. So is that the advice you would give if somebody came up to you at a party and said, hey, uh, kind of, I like photography. What camera should I get? You'd say, you know what? Use the iPhone for now. Yeah, use it. Master your iPhone. Master your Nikon D3400. Master your ADD. Master your point-and-shoot camera, you know, your RX100. Master that thing first uh, in in before you waste a bunch of money on a D850 or a Sony mirrorless or a Hasselblad or whatever the hell you feel like getting. Because those are not going – in some cases, all that's going to do is just make you a worse photographer in my opinion, you know. No, I, I I love it. I love it. It's 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 really a refreshing take. I think as somebody who, um, interestingly enough, actually just yesterday I recorded an interview with somebody who has a is literally a master photographer, has a master's degree yeah. in photography, and we ha- we had a long discussion about kind of that formal education route as well as you know the importance of gear, um, and I think that your take is 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 very refreshing, and it's uh, yeah. it's it's completely valid because. You lived it. You're here. You know yeah. what I mean? You're, yeah. You know I mean, I mean it, if I didn't know what I was talking about, I wouldn't – this isn't what I would be doing for a living. <laughs> and a, on a worldwide multimillion-dollar company wouldn't be paying me 
not to mention all the other companies that pay me to do yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But but it really comes down to your vision uh, and then your execution of it. I mean, those are the two most important things. Uh, and you know, gear. Even sometimes gear doesn't matter. And this is I'm going to be talking about video, but you can apply this to photography. But look at like all of the uh, videos that Nike makes, like especially on their YouTube channel. They all look like they're all grainy. They look like they were shot with an iPhone, um, but they tell very compelling stories. Uh, and you forget that the thing isn't shot on some giant camera rig with a gimbal uh, with a giant crew of people. It was just some filmmaker that used some small little camera, told a really compelling story. Uh, and so as long as you're telling a compelling story in your image or your video or whatever it is that you're creating, that's the most important part. And the tool is just an accessory to that. The tool is never going to make or break, uh, you know, your, your creative, I think, vi- vision. Yeah, very cool. In my opinion. Very cool. very cool. Because people have been making awesome stuff for centuries. So it's not like, it's not like all of a sudden in the last 10 years, because we have mirrorless cameras and all this stuff, all of a sudden now all the dope creative stuff is being made. We, we, we haven't had iPhones and all these full frame mirrorless cameras up until recently. So how was everyone else making all these iconic award-winning photos and videos and stuff with, you know, technology that's not as good as what we have today. It's all vision and execution. So it's just that tool. It's just that tool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just how, how you use the tools. And sometimes you have to compensate if you have a crappier camera. Uh, you have to compensate and, and do things with lighting. Maybe you have to get a couple extra lights or you have to get uh, – I have a, use a gimbal for this thing. Um, Sony mirrorless camera, you can just handhold it. But I have to compensate for what that can do by putting this on a gimbal. Um, maybe you have a D, Nikon D3400 that gets really grainy at ISO 800 and this doesn't till 2000. All right, so maybe you need to get a studio light. Maybe you do need to use a flash. Maybe you do need to use a reflector. Maybe you can only shoot during the daylight. So so you have to compensate for your shortcomings of your equipment, but that in no way should ever hinder you from being able to execute whatever creative vision that you have. And so that new iPhone commercial that you've seen with the snowball fights that was all shot on an iPhone, it was shot by that director, shot on an iPhone. So yeah, he had to use a bunch of crazy gimbals and stuff like that, but did that any of that really cost any more than what they would have shot it with on a, on a whatever, like a mm-hmm. red camera? So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your vision and execution is the most important thing above anything else, in my opinion. That's that's going to be that's, probably that's the memory. And a lot of people, a lot of quote. a lot of people don't like that, <laughs> especially pro photographers. That there's a lot of people that are just hell bent that that gear, 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 gear. It's all about the gear. That's uh, that's sad. I know Fine. I've taken a lot of a, a lot of great photos. A lot of my favorite photos are taken with garbage cameras, and I think that. That that kind of releases some of the pressure on you, if that makes sense. Like you don't like when I have my uh, I shoot Fuji, so I shoot mirrorless. So nice, nice, nice. If I have that camera in my hand, there's kind of this uh, feeling inside of me that I have to perform. I have to, you know, get a sound great image, you know. And then I'm always looking at things a little bit differently. But if I just have my phone in my hand, it's a little bit more relaxed. And sometimes I get a photo that I don't know means a little bit more to me. Maybe it's not as good technically. But uh, vision and execution, I think, like you said, is, Absolutely. is the key there. Is the key there. And that's why I like to shoot videos with this thing because this on a tiny little gimbal allows me to be way more maneuverable, way more creative 
uh, and just not think about this giant camera that's on a five axis gimbal that I'm holding with, two, you know, yes. like that's intrusive. All I'm thinking about is this heavy camera in my hand, whereas this I can just get anywhere I want. Uh, and it, it, it almost allows me to be more creative, like the, like the dumber tech almost lets me be more creative and the, the end product is almost better because I'm using a lesser, you know, a lesser quality. It's a, it's a crazy time to be alive, isn't it? Great time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk right now a little bit more about uh, the job that you have. Yes. Um, what is the, what, what's the, what's the technical title of uh, your position? Content developer was as, as vague as they could make it. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that so, mean as a photographer? Basic, photographer. Basically anything that you hear, see, smell, or touch that involves content for cost headphones I make. So every email, every blog post, uh, every picture on social media, every ad you see in a newspaper or a magazine, every billboard in the subway system in Ukraine, every commercial on TV, every YouTube video, uh, when you go to our website, uh, all of that stuff is I create. <laughs> so let's let's explore that. Let's say Cost is coming out with some new headphones you have to, which, create, uh, have to which we are. <laughs> oh, well then perfect. Yeah. Then this is going to be totally relevant. What yeah. does that mean for you? How do you prepare for the onslaught so, of, of media? So basically, you know, we'll just start developing a pair of headphones, which usually will take anywhere from, a, I would say anywhere from a year to maybe a, a, a two years, depending on what type of product it is. Um, and our engineers will be tuning them. We'll be getting prototypes. We'll be 3d printing stuff. Um, and then we'll eventually get, um, like samples from, uh, the, our manufacturers, uh, that are basically going to be what the end product is. Sometimes they're just shells. They don't actually have like speakers or anything in them. And then I get those, uh, and I go out and I start doing, um, photo shoots with them. Uh, I get models and I start prepping because we need pictures for the box art. So, uh, I'll do uh, product photography for the box art. Sometimes that'll make it to the box. Uh, sometimes that'll be a reference for a render. Um, I'll be doing lifestyle images for the backs of the box, for social media. Um, I'll start doing videos um, for like how to pair a pair of Bluetooth headphones, the features, um, maybe just like a general lifestyle video. And I'll start creating content uh, for this new product so that when it comes time to launch it, we have images, we have videos, uh, we have all the box art, we have everything that we need uh, for the launch of that product so that we can just kind of hit the hit the asphalt running. How long does that take to prepare all that? Uh, well, there's some that I'm working on right now that I think I started maybe like a couple months ago. So I would say it probably takes a solid, a solid two to three months for me to get all of the imagery, get all the videos and get all the content prepared, get the email ready. So I need pictures for emails. I need pictures for blog posts. I need pictures for we send so we'll send out sample samples to youtubers and so they'll need content and stuff like that um so yeah probably like two or three months to kind of create all of that content and it's cool because one day here maybe i'll be working on the website another day maybe i'll be downtown milwaukee doing a photo shoot maybe i'll be in chicago doing a video shoot next day uh maybe i'll be doing we just uh, recorded an interview with a, a dj here and i like had to set up all the audio and the camera and do a, an interview with them and so every day is very different here i mean one day i might be working on a sales presentation and so it's it's really really cool kind of weaving in and out of all these uh different uh areas rather than kind of just sticking to photography which is 
basically what I did when I first started. I just did uh, photography and video. Mm-hmm. And now I do mm-hmm. so much more. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> but now with the, uh, you know, accessibility of technology, we're, we're able to do these things quite easily. Absolutely. So that's very exciting. And yeah. again, I have no college degree. Quite this, easily. This is all stuff that I just taught myself and learned. And so I think the biggest thing today for people that want to not to get off track that want to do this for a living, which I think a lot of people would love to shoot pictures or make videos for a living is you have to know more than just, you have to do two things. You have to be good at more than just taking pictures or video. You have to be good at like the whole package. Like so many companies now outsource their blog or outsource their website or outsource their photography or outsource their commercials. And it's cheaper for them to do it in house. It's more efficient for them to do it in house. Uh, And more and more creatives like me who kind of can do a lot of that stuff and and learn the things they can't, the brands and companies and organizations are creating this position out of thin air for young creatives to take. Uh, and it's really good money. There's a lot of freedom in it. Uh, and I think we kind of hit this kind of slump where doing photography for a living kind of didn't seem like a, a viable, plausible career. And I think in the next year or two, we're really going to start to see an influx of brands that are just going to bring this stuff in house and just do it in house. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity for a lot of young and old uh, photographers and filmmakers and just Uh, all around creatives. I'm sure a lot of people are going to uh, love to hear that. As I know, a lot of listeners, uh, when it comes to photography nowadays, you know, there's a lot of uh, education on being an entrepreneur, a lot of push of that. You know what I mean? And and there's kind of this hustle part. There's (laughs) almost this, this pressure that like you have to do this on your own. Right. And I think the yeah. idea of working for a company is almost something. I never wanted to do something. this on my own. <laughs> okay, then perfect. I never okay, wanted to. Yep, I never wanted to be to own my own photography business. I wanted to work for a, a company that I respected. I enjoyed working for and, and do what I love. And I'm really fortunate that I get to not only work for a local company, but a worldwide multi-million dollar company shooting a really cool product, headphones, you know, almost like a tech company and get to do what I love. And, uh, like, I think that's, I think that's just so dope. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, for sure. I know a lot, as I said, a lot of people listening are going to be excited about that idea because the idea that steady paycheck oftentimes is, is more exciting than, than, uh, you know, the, the potential of, of doing something on your own and, you know, doing something uh, on your own is, you know, that I, I hate how and LinkedIn does a really good job of this. I hate LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn does a really good job of glorifying the grind and the hustle in uh, making it seem like it's just this really cool, dope journey. Working on your own sucks. You don't have a day off. Like if someone needs a photo of their dogs on Sunday at nine in the morning and that's what they want and you got to pay your mortgage and your car and your kids uh, lunches and your car insurance. Based off of that, because that's all you do for a living, you got to wake up at Sunday at nine in the morning and shoot a picture of someone's dog. And so you can't turn work down because you need every single one of those jobs. You have no freedom. You're just working 24 hours a day. In honestly, photography, when you're working for yourself, is probably 20% of your your business. The other 80% is the whole business side of it. I would say it's closer to like 95.5. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, paying your taxes, uh, your website, uh, all of your SEO and advertising because everyone else is a photographer out there. So why are people going to choose you? Uh, 
Yeah, and ten percent of it is actually shooting photos. Yeah. So, yeah. so what would you say? What would you say to those who? are uh, interested in this, right? You said that you think uh, that here in a few years, more companies are going to bring photographers in-house. What would you say to those listening who are thinking, I might like a job like that? How do they, how do they approach that? How do they go how after do they get it? That? How do they go after it? Um, two things. I mean, obviously, you got to be good at what you do, uh, and you got to be providing something kind of unique. But two things. Uh, learn more than just photography. Learn, learn about social media. Um, learn... You know, learning how to write is a really good thing. Maybe start a blog on Medium or something like that. But learning how to write uh, and learning how to do video. If you can, if you can write, shoot photos, and do video, and kind of present that small package to a brand or a company, uh, you're going to be way ahead of everybody else that's just doing one of those things. And the next thing is personally branding yourself. And this is going to sound stupid, um, and I kind of touched on this before, but everyone's a photographer. Everyone's a photographer. And no matter how good you think you are, there's always someone that's better than you. Like there's a million people. There's kids in high school that take better pictures right. than me. I say the same thing. Uh, but the, it's totally true. Yeah. But the one thing that you can do is to stand out and set yourself apart from all those people. And that's to personally brand yourself. And it sounds stupid, but you have to get companies and brands and people to want to hire you because you're you. And anyone else is not an option. You know, like I'm, I'm getting married. Like I want Martin Moore. Like I, I don't really care that there's other photographers and maybe they're even better and cheaper, but I just, I don't know. I just want Martin Moore. I want Martin Moore to make this commercial. I want Martin Moore to write this blog, you know? And so you have to, you got to brand yourself uh, and almost think of yourself as like, like Nike or L'Oreal or something like that, because that is what's going to make you stand in front of everyone else trying to do the exact same thing as you, you know, because you put a thousand photographers over here. What, how are you any different? You know, <laughs> and, and your pictures are not going to be enough, no matter how much you think right. they will be. Right. It's just not going to be enough. It's sad. I don't like saying that, but it's just not enough. So, so what can you do to separate yourself from these other people? What are these other people not doing that you can do that then puts you over here by yourself? And that's personally branding yourself and taking your name uh, and making it a, a selling point, a bullet point. Yeah, and then yeah. brands will brands will they'll hear about you, come across you because you've done that, uh, and then hopefully you have a lot of uh, things that you can offer them: do video, write their blog, do their social media, take their pictures, uh, and so you'll uh, be in. I, I see it happen all the time. So. so then, is that is that how you got your job at Cost? Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So that's that's how I got it. So, uh, and I know a lot of people that I've kind of mentored along the way that um, embraced that kind of thesis, <laughs> uh, and they're doing the exact same things, or they're on the road to doing the exact same thing. Uh, and it's not in a it's not an equation or a mantra that works for everyone. Uh, but if that's something that you want to do, those are kind of the things that work for me. That's all I know, and so that's really the only information. I can offer. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there, there's a myriad of ways that you can get to in a position like this. But that was that's my story, my journey, what worked for me. Uh, and it's something I believe other people could embrace, implement and execute uh, and find similar success as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was it now just to just to clarify here, how was it that you went about 
putting yourself out there? Was it because I know that you um, you create vlogs for around Minneapolis, right? Yeah. So in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee, yeah. Um, so was that was that what you were going for? You were hoping that by creating these, you'd get the attention of somebody else, or were you just creating them for fun and then that happened? So. So my goal when I started my YouTube channel and I started vlogging was, again, I think it was 2015. Uh, I didn't have a, wet, a single wedding booked or a commercial shoot. Nothing. I had nothing. Uh, and I think it was like May, yeah, May or June of that year. Uh, I went, I was like, well, I need to do something. And like vlogging was starting to get kind of like popular on the internet. And so I went on YouTube and I put in Milwaukee vloggers and like literally no one popped up. And I was like, Okay, at the time I was making Snapchat videos, uh, and up until then, I, have, I had made a vacation video for every trip that I had ever went on. So I had made probably 20, 30 movies mm-hmm. for every trip that I went on. So I was, I was used to talking, well, I thought I was used to talking to a camera, <laughs> but I, I was used to documenting. I kind of understood how to tell a story, and so I was like, oh, let's try making a YouTube video. And so I grabbed my camera, my phone, went downtown Milwaukee and like I went around, uh, started asking people what they like about the city. Everyone said beer. Uh, and I made my first YouTube video and then I made another one and another one. And I did that every single day for 89 days in a row until I kind of tapered off and I started doing a couple a week. Um, but that was really the catalyst for me kind of building my personal brand and kind of growing beyond, uh, just like photography uh, and all that. But the whole point of starting it was to have a different creative out, output and also hopefully people – I yapped about my photography and my vlogs. So hoping that people would see that and then hire me to do photography. It's funny because I actually got hired to do video. Re, video is really what peop, I'm known for and like people would hire me for. But the YouTube channel was kind of really to be like a – like to pimp my photography. <laughs> so it kind of backfired. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I use audio to talk about photography. You used video yes, exactly. to promote your it, photography. Exactly. And, um, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to use audio to, uh, you know, pimp your photography. You don't have to use video to pimp photography. You don't have to use medium uh, and write, but there's a, a ton of tools that you can use that don't involve photography um, to get people to, interested in you on a completely different level other than your images because people see your images on instagram or facebook or wherever you're posing them they can't see your face they can't hear what your voice sounds like they don't know what you think they don't know all those little idiosyncrasies and nuances about you as a person as a human being as a creative all they see is that picture that you've posted uh and so there's so much more behind that picture that people can get attached to you as a person, as a brand, as a human being. And I think audio, doing a, having a podcast or a radio show or a blog or a YouTube channel or whatever it is that you want to do is a great uh, resource and another creative outlet to get people interested in the thing that you really enjoy, photography. So then last question here is uh, about this whole thing is did you – reach out to costs about your job or did they reach out to you based on uh, what it was like your vlog that you were putting out? Yeah. So they, they came across me um, and reached out to me and they were a client of mine for about a year and a half. So they reached out to me in 2000, I think 16, they had a new pair of Bluetooth headphones and they wanted me to um, do a photo shoot for them uh, and make a commercial for them. And so that was like my first really big, like, 
oh wow, like <laughs> this is this is a big deal uh-huh. because it was a lot of money. Uh, this I, again, this is like a we invented stereo headphones, so like that's a huge deal. Like this is the company that invented the left and the right on every headphone that's ever, that we've ever known. And so, uh, you know, I, I was super excited and super nervous and I wanted to make a really cool commercial that I hadn't seen anyone else do. And so I took it upon myself to shoot the entire commercial with photos, which was a big mistake, but it's still one of the most projects I'm most proud of, but it's a, it's a video and it's a story, but the entire thing is shot with photos. It's maybe like 10 frames per second. And it's just really, really, really cool. I think it's on my YouTube channel buried somewhere. Um, but then they asked me to do another shoot and another shoot. Uh, and then eventually I was kind of, I was at the point of working on cars where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Updated my resume with all of the uh, directors of marketing and VPs of marketing that I'd worked with, with all these companies. Um, and just created a whole resume that involved my photography and not cars. Asked costs if I could use them as a reference they said, hey, why don't you come in and uh, meet the team? We don't really have any positions right now, but you know, maybe we will in the future. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and then it felt like an interview. And I said, this feels like an interview. And it was an interview. And then they hired me like a couple weeks later. And, <laughs> and that was it. But they, they were a client of mine uh-huh. in the beginning uh-huh. for like a year and a half. And they used to send me headphones to do giveaways and stuff. And it's funny when I look back at those old YouTube videos when I'm doing like a giveaway with cost headphones, thinking like you have no clue that like, you're, you're going to be working for them for a living. You have no yeah. clue. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was such an awesome feeling. I cried. I still think about the day when like they hired me and I put my two weeks in for Honda. I just, I bawled because it was just like the culmination of a decade of hustling and failure and almost getting divorced and wondering how long, if ever, am I going to be able to do what I love for a living? You know? And it was, it was such a dope feeling. Oh my <laughs> so God. Never give up on yeah. yourself. Oh my gosh. I can't, I cannot imagine what that must have felt like. It was, it still feels surreal today when I'm out, when I'm out doing a photo shoot, when I'm downtown and it's like nine 30 in the morning and you know, we're out shooting pictures. I just, sometimes I still, I just stop and think and go, dude, you, you realize you're getting paid right now to like <laughs> do this. And it's just, it still doesn't feel real because I worked on cars for 20 years. It just, it feels like it's a dream that like, I still sometimes I'm like, God, please don't let me wake up and like be working on the yeah. cars again. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That is such. But I didn't, such... I did not get lucky. Uh-huh. Luck had nothing to do with, I hate, there's a lot of people that say, you know, you know, you're so lucky that you got this job and like luck had nothing to do with it. And I think a lot of people need to understand that luck, luck is nothing but just, just a opportunity in disguise. You know, and you create your opportunity by vision and execution uh, and you create your own luck, um, you know. Uh, and so you, you got to work hard. You got to have a vision, uh, network with people, always be learning. And if there's something you you want to do or you want to get, you'll make it happen. Do it. Yeah. Oh, man. I love how you shared that progression. That seemed like I think anybody who listened to that would be able to take away and kind of implement that into their own life, right? Take that and see where they were, where they, where it is that they want to go and see how they can make that happen. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that. That was really powerful. Yeah. Sharing that. That was really the thing powerful. is too, is um, even if I didn't get this job and I was still working on cars, I'd still be making YouTube videos. I'd still be doing my photography on the side. Um, I would still be doing all of this because it's what completes me as a human being. Yeah. And so you have to enjoy like the grind. You have to enjoy shooting. You have to enjoy working. You have to enjoy 
editing at night because if all you're chasing is kind of that end game, that end goal, uh, you'll you'll burn out in six months. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so for me, uh, I've I've always just loved the loved the doing. That's good. That that is a that's a, that that feeling. It is something that is uh, very fulfilling, and I don't think that enough people do get to feel that they don't get to feel you know going after what it is that they want on their own. Uh, and I love how you found that. And you went after it and you went like hardcore, like this is what it is that I'm going to do. And you didn't let it stop you. That's that's very cool. That's a lot of people listening, I'm sure, right now are thinking, I really wish that I could. Uh, that I, could I, I almost get, I almost gave up a couple times. I almost gave up. A couple <laughs> well, times I mean, after, could, uh, you know, after so many years, I mean, it would make sense to, to have those feelings. There's days when I feel like I could easily just go serve coffee at Starbucks right now and feel happy about it. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think deep down, you know, and those are natural, those are natural down, feelings. You know? Right, 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 right. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when it comes to, uh, commercial photography in and of itself, you know, lifestyle photos today, um, we think, I think commercial shoot, you know, lots of lights, studios, assistant, lots of gear. Um, do we, need all of that just to get started and follow up what is if if so or if not what's the what's the next logical step in upgrading our gear to getting to where we need to be yeah um do you do i think you need all that stuff um not really i mean you should see what i do all of our like product photography on i have just those like a bunch of those white foam boards which are really great for bouncing light off of. There's no reflections. So you can just get a bunch of white foam boards, put them by a a window, and you can get really good product photography. Uh, Yeah, all that stuff helps. Um, But there's there's a lot of hacks out there uh, on the Internet that you can do to to get started. Um, You can get some really cheap lighting kits and background kits and stuff um, if you want to do portraits um, or if you want to shoot products. Um, And as far as upgrading your gear... uh, for me, incremental upgrades was was a, a big thing. I didn't just go out and blow like ten grand on like <laughs> the biggest and best camera. If you have it, cool. Um, but as far as upgrading your gear, always try to master what you have, and then move to the next thing, and then master that, and move to the next thing. Uh, there's just like if I got a Nikon D850, I mean, yeah, I'd be able to learn it pretty quick, but it would still be vastly different than this Nikon D750, you know? And so it, some of that equipment can just be overwhelming and you might not be, you might use it wrong. You might not use it to its full potential. Um, you may use it as a crutch uh, and not shoot photos as well as you would on something um, that was of uh, lesser quality. And so that's a good point. No, for me, it was always, it, it was always incremental upgrades, but uh, that could be a bunch of BS. <laughs> <laughs> so what then, okay, let, let me, let me ask this question. This will be my last question. We're, we're totally at the end of our time here. Um, you had a, a rather interesting uh, a journey into learning photography. You know, you learned from yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube. You learned from you know all these sources. Is there anything that you heard being taught to photographers as gospel? But now that you're like in this working position, you realize it's really not as important Ooh, as it was being taught. As it was being taught. That's a good question. Taught is gospel. Um, 
You know, I, I want I want to say the rule of thirds, but I feel like that's probably going to be incorrect because, boy, I follow that to the T a lot of the <laughs> so times. I. But I feel like there's a lot of times where, like, I've disregarded that and uh, the image ended up being, like, better for some reason. It's, a, it's astonishing how much cropping affects your image. I feel like cropping an image is literally one of the most important aspects of what, what, what the picture that you're taking. Uh, and I don't, I feel, I, sometimes I feel like rule of thirds sometimes is something, uh, that's not always a, a thing you should follow. I know it's kind of so stupid, probably not what you're looking for. Uh, but I don't know, that might be one of, I feel like I've abandoned that sometimes. I'm like, you know what, this is, and you know what I say that is because I don't follow the rule of thirds when I shoot video. So I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan. He did like Knight of cups, um, uh, tree of life. Mm-hmm. And he loves to, push subjects like way in the corners of uh the image or like way to like one side of an image he never follows the rule of thirds and so i I really enjoy doing that with my video uh i and i do it sometimes with my photography so that's probably why i say uh rule of thirds is, is always gospel when you're young and you're taught photography but for me sometimes i i abandon that and i like to i don't know kind of push the limits of uh, that rule. Yeah. And you have found sometimes that when you go off and you shoot your own thing, that you get results that you're happier with doing it. Your oh own yeah. Way. Big time. Uh-huh. Especially, especially in video. When I do that, like we have one on a Costa's YouTube channel called, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's a really good example of it, but it, it looks just like a Terrence Malick movie. Um, and I, it's literally there. There ain't no rule of thirds in it. It's just everybody's like over here or over <laughs> way over here. Yeah. And it's there's just yeah. not there's nothing symmetrical or even or about it. <laughs> there's no math in any of the any of the composition. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was great. That was great. You said you didn't know if it was what I was looking for, but uh, I'm not looking for anything. I'm I'm just curious about these things. Yes, and yes. I, I, I it's always be a great. Answer. It's always fun. Uh, just learning. Just hearing about everyone else's different uh, point of view for how they how they like to create. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Everyone creates so differently, and that's that's such a blessing. And that's such a cool thing um, that that everyone has so many different ways that that they use and implement to kind of get to the same point, which is telling a story through an image or video. I don't think uh, I don't think that we could end this any better way than that statement right there for sure. Uh, just go off on your own, explore, do your own thing, and figure it out. Yes, and yeah. never tomorrow, always today. Ah, well, see, that's my I next, said I that's my next tattoo. Thing. That's my next tattoo. It's going to be never tomorrow. That's actually true. I'm getting that uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's perfect. I can't wait to see that. You want you want to you want to shoot a photo? Go go and shoot it shoot it today. Today today. 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 Oh man. Well, Martin, uh, I want to thank you for coming on, sharing everything that you did. Before I let you go, can you let the listeners know where they can find you, your work, and keep up with you uh, online? Uh, if you just put Martin Moore. In any social media platform, I'll be the first one that pops up. Weird flex, I know. Uh, but <laughs> if for some reason uh, Martin Moore, the UK furniture company, pops up, <laughs> then put in Martin Moore Jr. and I will pop up. But I hate the junior. Uh, but I'm at Martin Moore Jr. at everything. But if you just put in Martin Moore, I should be the first one to pop up. See, you're working at Cost Headphones, but I would think that working at Martin Moore Furniture would have uh, been always, more I, interesting. I answer. always hope that uh, they fail to make their website payments so that I can scoop <laughs> so up their So you buy it? Oh, man. MartinMoore.com. I want it so bad. 
I've said that often about uh, now I, I'm kind of moving away from that, but uh, of just Hatfield photography. My last name's Hatfield. I've always wanted to buy it, but the person who owns it is like, I, I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about them, but they're but still they're very like, they are, they are, they haven't touched the website in like 2011. Yeah, yeah. Like it's been forever. I'm trying to scoop up the Twitter handle because they've squatting on that since 2012. And really see, we need, it's like, I want to use it. Why can't, That's why can't exactly. I, why can't I use it? Well, again, uh, 2020. 20, yeah. Let's make this happen. That'll be let's our buy, year. Buy these websites. Uh, Martin again, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and I really appreciate me. it. Yeah. Appreciate Talk it. To you soon. Oh man. So much there to unpack from Martin. Uh, I would say that my biggest takeaway was that if you really want something, just go get it. <laughs> Essentially. I know that sounds cliche, but you know, don't let the camera that you have or don't have or the job that you have get in the way. Just start working on what it is that you love. And even though it may take a few years, if you keep working at it, you'll get it. So, Martin, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was great hearing uh, your unique perspective. And if you're listening and you want to give Martin a thanks or share your biggest takeaway, be sure to do that in the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group. I will add Martin, and um, it's going to be a good time. So, also some news that I teased in the beginning of the interview. Last month, I hosted a photo business goal setting workshop just for premium members of the podcast, and it was a smashing success. Uh, there are tons of great goals that were set by premium members for 2020, and I am so excited to be a part of and help those premium members achieve their goals. Well, in January, I have decided that I'm going to be hosting another Another series that is called Picture Perfect Pricing. And you may have heard me talk about this before, and that is because uh, this was previously a standalone course that sold for $67, but now it is going to be free for premium members. So if you want to learn how to price your photography with confidence and remove just the guesswork uh, and set yourself up for success in 2020, then I want to invite you to become a premium member today. It's currently just $10 a month. You'll get access to full interviews where guests share their best tips on making money with their camera. And you'll also get picture perfect pricing, which is a $67 value. Like I said, included offer just $10. So become a premium member by heading over to beginnerphotographypodcast.com. Click that premium membership link at the top of the page to join now and I'll see you inside. So that is it. Fun, fun stuff. I keep saying that fun stuff. Where does this come from? Fun stuff. Anyway, that's it for this week. Until next week, I want you to make more. I want you to do more and I want you to make do with what you have. So that is it. Be safe. Thank you for listening to the beginner photography podcast if you enjoy the show consider leaving a review in itunes keep shooting and we'll see you next week